Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. So, one of my sons asked me the other night if boys can be elected mayor in Boston. (laughs) They have been, and they will again someday, but not tonight. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? Get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you. Uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. The clip you heard before we got started was Boston Mayor elect Michelle Wu giving an acceptance speech last night because it was. Quite a bright spot in a night with some disappointments, we'll call them. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who was, um, did people start spiraling last night or this morning? I was out and about last night, so I didn't really, I was like doing stuff. So it was when I got back into the car and like checked, I feel like around like 11, I checked and it was like Youngkin had won. And I was like, shit. Yeah, yeah. That's when you texted me. I was asleep. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, damn, this sucks. Just Um, Youngkin. I had other things occupying my brain up until that moment. I have not been following Virginia politics, admittedly, but <laughs> I, I was already, I was already spiraling this morning. I mean, yesterday morning. Um, yeah, I fucking wrote this super long post on my Instagram of like, oh, I'm right, so yeah. mad about yeah, like even this mayoral race of like the the best that we have is a pro police guy who. You know, there is a side by side like Curtis Siwa like has 17 cats and he tried to take one of his cats, whatever. Um, I'm sure at least we'll tell you the story. Yeah, we can. I'll I'll cover that in a minute. You- yeah, but but Eric Adams. No is, rules today. Um, No, he there was a side by side tweet where like he drove on the sidewalk last week. Yes, because he didn't want to wait in traffic. So he just put his car on the sidewalk for like two blocks to avoid traffic. And like yeah. that's our new fucking mayor. That's the type. Yeah. That's the type of New Yorker that's going to lead us. Excellent. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So, God. so like, you know, I was just so mad. And then people are just like, yeah, in the liberal bastion of New York, we have two. You know, and ah, it, uh, it's just it makes me upset because I just feel like I'm really curious because. De Blasio had, even though De Blasio is white, a lot of his fam, you know, his his kids are not, and his wife is not, and I feel like he got a lot of racist vitriol. So I'm really interested to see like how this black mayor who's pro police is gonna right. get from the police union and everything. Yeah, because de Blasio ran as like a progressive. I remember when de Blasio ran, he was like, they made it seem like he was the most progressive man that's ever run for anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, he is. I 
is a progressive. He is, but absolutely, like, yeah. I, you know, I mean, that that's why the mayor job is thankless, because I'm just like, you really can't get anything done if police hate you. Like, they will make your life hell. You know, if mm-hmm. if you're mayor like and police don't like you, but it's like, fuck, that sucks, you know? They well, should that's have why, you. yeah. Yeah, I mean, so what we're seeing in Minneapolis today, we're going to focus mainly on Virginia, but we'll probably bounce around. In Minneapolis, I think the mayor, Jacob Fry, is going to be reelected. He's a Democrat, mm-hmm. but he has been very against uh, the, like, I don't even know what to call it. There's no defund the police movement. Like, he's just been very against that concept. And in Minneapolis, they also did have, like, um, I think it technically is a ballot measure about potentially mm-hmm. replacing their police force with more of a uh, a unit that looked more like just a general public safety unit. And uh, the city of Minneapolis voters there, they overall did reject it, but it was only 56 to 44. So, like, they have 44% of people in that city to say, we got to radically reform this, which yeah, a lot of like a lot of dissonance as we're looking at today as well. Yeah, it's I mean, it's very interesting. But I think like there's going to be so much made about like what to take from all of the results last night that there aren't a ton that were awesome. <laughs> right. And and some of the things like like you were saying, Millie, like you started getting irritated yesterday morning it's like i'm trying to be mindful with my reactions of like how what part what percent of this is just me reacting to literally what happened yesterday and think feelings i had before that were now just like fuck like now it feels even worse because it's been it's been proven and so let's look at virginia first um like you said, Elise, as we said this week, we want to like be careful extrapolating and just be very like circumspect with the messages that we take because there are messages here. But I do think this moment is like important not to get too. I mean, like this morning I saw a CNN headline that was like Democrats got too close, got burned by like defund the police. That is not the that's lesson. not those the are lesson. not the lessons. No, those not are not the lessons. lessons. So <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about New Jersey. I've seen calls this morning that Phil Murphy will win. Uh, political report. The guy that runs that, Dave Watson, yeah, says he's New gonna York win. Times said that he's gonna win. So oh, good. Okay, in the great. in the newsletter this morning. So who knows? And this was something that, as we saw last night into this morning, people were like, "Oh my god, really defeatist and really scared about it." And that's true. But I also want to note, I was reading a little bit more about it this morning that New Jersey is also one of these really flip floppy states with these patterns. And the fact that Murphy did hold on is good. He he sort of like broke a pattern, uh, whereas McAuliffe wasn't really able to do that. So let's talk about how Glenn Youngkin became the governor-elect of Virginia. Uh, <laughs> it was close. Um, we always knew it was going to be close in one way or the other. Maybe probably a little less close than Democrats had hoped, but it was out 40, 51 to 49 percent at this time. And the GOP is also poised to take over the Virginia House of Delegates, which is... Damn, I thought it was it was 50-50 this morning. It, it is. It still mm-hmm. is. Nothing's confirmed, but I saw that like they got new numbers like literally moments ago that maybe t- tipped it to like 52-48. Yeah, I had seen that apparently the Virginia Constitution has no... There's nothing in it about what to do if there's a tie. So, like, if it Good. was 50-50, there's, like, <laughs> there's nothing that exists to fix that. Does, like, the vice president of Virginia get to... <laughs> there's nothing. I mean, I guess yeah. they would have to figure it out. But, yeah, there's nothing. Wow. Well, Virginia that would be... Um, constitution. The Commonwealth's Constitution has not addressed that issue. Which that would be a fascinating challenge to have to figure out. As we've talked about, Virginia usually doesn't elect a governor of the same party of the president. And that pattern held. I guess they thought by maybe putting up the same exact person that broke that pattern before. Um, that was their strategy, it seems. That seems, worked for Joe Biden. It did not work work here. 
there seemed to be enough evidence that Virginia over time had like swung far enough to the left that this pattern wouldn't hold, that it was over. But apparently not. Youngkin is a Trump Republican in Mitt Romney Republicans clothing. He has been able to Mm -hmm. sort of like distance himself with that and try to seem like he's just this like rich dad in a vest who like just wants to make sure you're okay and like can like have a summer house and is like a huge part of young kin's whole thing like if you haven't googled him you have to see that he wears this vest and i think that basically his whole image is crafted around the vest that he wears young kin is like you're like the lone like Republican boyfriend that everybody else is like, well, he's fine, like he's okay. Not him, he's fine. But then you find out that like his mom you is ask at him the a Capitol. couple questions. Yeah, yeah you like uh, you go, you're like, no, he's actually nice. And then you like ask him like three questions at a party, and you're like, oh god. But that's <laughs> what I was gonna say is like, that's what a lot of Virginia is, and I think that Youngkin and his vest gave them just enough cover to. I think that a lot of Virginia voters, and I'm talking about white Virginia voters, no one is polling or even asking questions to black Virginia voters as far as I've seen. They never do. Exactly. Like, I haven't, I truly have not, but Millie, you sent a tweet about this in our thread earlier, but like, I have not seen any interview asking like a Virginia parent who's black what they think about is being taught in the schools. But I do think that Glenn Youngkin harnessed his, like, conservative boy in a vest energy and he also activated the Karens. Exactly. And that is a very powerful as we know Karen does have power and he activated them and he made them think that well they wanted to think it but he he his thing about schools and being like Terry McAuliffe wants to tell you uh, wants to keep you out of your kids education it's like That is the perfect thing to stir up a, like, maybe slightly liberal on social issues, white Virginia woman voter. I mean, I think that's exactly who it was. It was the... Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, just like like what you... I want to know what y'all speculate. Was it that Terry, like, was it that Republicans got more people and like Terry just couldn't get people excited about him the same way that people were excited about Youngkin? Or like, are you like, because I'm just like, is it really that everything's trending right? Or is just that the right was able to get more people out to vote like in this election? And, you know, the, the left were, you know, the Dems were not. Or Yeah, I'm just wondering what y'all think. I think... I, I think that Democrats are extremely unpopular right now. I think that the and so I think that I think Virginia has a lot of people who genuinely are like moderate Dem to like lightly concerned, like they straddle the line and kind of bet- depending on the issue could swing either way. And I think that Glenn Youngkin gave them like just enough respectability to like lean into their conservative side for this. And I think that they actually liked Obama. I think Virginia did really like Obama. I think that Joe Biden is his reputation is not good right now. His Democrats reputation is not good right now. I feel like a lot of what we're seeing is that Democrats had nothing to run on and Republicans have something to run on, which is just because they're the opposition party. It's change. It's, you know, it's negative, regressive change in their case. But 
when you're in the opposition, you always have something to run on, which is we're going to change who's in power. The party that's in power needs something to say. And Democratic candidates did not have anything to say in this yeah. election. We but also think, don't lie. Like, they lie. Well, yeah. They, they lie and, and we don't, but we can't. What can we say? You know, that's just the thing. It's like, did Dems get $15 minimum wage? No. Did Dems cancel student loans? No. D- you know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah, like, what can we like? What can we, we say? What are like, what are we giving them to vote child, for? Like, yeah. Child tax credit. No. Are we lowering prescription Paid drug leave. prices? No. Paid leave. No. So like, it's just like. Yeah. For me, it's like, yeah, like, but I also, yeah. Like, yeah, a white, non college educated woman in Virginia doesn't need to vote for Terry McAuliffe to get paid leave. It's got nothing to do with that, right? Like, this is what I'm confused. Like, I'll, this is why exactly. I don't really know, like, what we extrapolate to national politics. I think it's like Lisa's saying, it's like they don't have anything to vote for. Like, there seems to be last time this thing that, like, was really motivating people with Trump. Like, this is just, like white women, Trump was bad for them. Their lives were, our lives were harder because even if it was just inconvenience and noise, that was enough for them to be like, I don't want this. But then you have this man lying about mm-hmm. schools. And like, to be really frank, like the, the media ecosystem is totally broken. I wonder if that's the issue where I can be like, no, no, that's not actually happening in schools. Like maybe we're just so like divided in how we socialize and like, Mm. The, those thought patterns aren't getting interrupted like maybe they did during the Trump election where they're just like, oh, no, like this is, guy is saying that these books are going to give my kids nightmares. And I, I don't really know what Terry McAuliffe is giving me. So I would rather my kids not have nightmares about slavery. Well, it was it's yeah. really interesting. Um, there is there is I was watching this segment on Daily Show last night about um, Virginia, because I think what is it? Youngkin? worked for Carlisle Group, which mm-hmm. bought Taylor Swift's masters. I tried to work <laughs> up white women with that and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there then they like talked about like women voters who are Swifties and Virginia and all that stuff. But and, like that was funny. But it's just like, is that really the best you got? Is that this guy like bought like works for the group that uh, bought yeah, Taylor's Masters? Like like what the fuck? But I guess for me I feel two things on one end. I feel like, and this is what a lot of, you know, a lot of my Twitter like bubble has been as we're talking about bubbles. Mm-hmm. I, um, but yeah, like a lot of my Twitter bubble has been saying like, this is what happens when you don't run on big, bold change. When you don't do big, bold change, when you let moderates like get in the way, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So like, that's one thing that I'm hearing. Another thing it's like, to be fair, Things have changed and things are going left. Like there, you know, like the fact that 44% of people in Minnesota voted for police, like abolition is great. And I just think about how much Black Lives Matter, even that slogan has changed in the past five or six years to something that was so radical and like, so what the fuck to like kind of commonplace where most places like people on their dating app profiles and on their businesses have Black Lives Matter. So there's yeah. like that realization. And then there's this also realization of like, which I'm seeing a lot by like black intellectuals online of like, this is reactionary. Like this always happens every time there's like a move to the left, like, and we feel like we're making progress racially or culturally. There's always like 
a kind of jerk back and this is normal. And then, you know, so I'm dealing with those things. I'm like <laughs> positive or whatever. And then there's this other side is like, well, there are a lot of progressives that lost and like maybe progressive, you know, like India Walton and all that stuff where it's just like people don't want progressive stuff like blah, blah. And even the right, because to the to the right, this is all the same. There's no moderate or socialist Democrat. They're all like whatever. So even this morning, woke lash was was um, trending. And it's just like a backlash of wokeness, which is like, I don't know anything about Terry McAuliffe, but I'm not that man is not woke. Exactly. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. It's so bewildering to me that the reaction to moderates losing is that we went too far to the left. Like this That's man has been saying for weeks, uh, the Biden administration needs to just like come on board and be more bipartisan. Like we, Terry McAuliffe did not lose from being too progressive. Maybe India Walton did, but that was also, India Walton was, she won the Democratic primary in Buffalo, was poised to be the first socialist mayor of a major city. Um, but the previous mayor who she beat in the primary was able, you know, not a lot of people really vote in primaries. You have to be really animated. So he had an opportunity to sort of really drive support and probably fear monger about socialism. And he ended up winning in a write-in. Yeah, he did a write-in campaign and like kind of sabotaged her. So yeah. that's, Yeah, that's really I mean, fucked up too by Democrats as well. But, you know. Totally. But then right. that's only yeah. going to hurt us. I don't know. I mean, the thing that I really am taking away from it, looking at Virginia, looking at New Jersey, which I think, you know, Murphy's going to still win, but people were not people were surprised to see how close it got in New Jersey. People thought that he was safe. And just like looking at the things that flipped, I think what we're seeing isn't that one particular message. Like, I think critical race theory is a fertile message for the state of Virginia. I think it was well chosen by the Republican Party. Virginia has a lot of weird relationship with its own history as like the history of the Confederacy. It struggles with that. It's a very like white suburban lady driven place. And so I think that that issue was very well picked for Virginia. And that's, that choice of words is so perfect, at least well chosen, well picked. Yeah. This is not an inherent belief of the conservative movement. Mm-hmm. This is the yeah. populism thing this they saw. This is like literally, sorry, like this was the migrant like caravan shit that was well, exactly. around the midterms like in 2018. This is the new thing. So what I think is just what I'm really taking from this is 
the dysfunction that we have seen in passing this bill, which I don't think that like necessarily every voter is following the minutia of passing this bill. But I think that the general feeling of, oh, these people aren't doing anything has trickled down. I think a general feeling of like stuff's not getting done. Things aren't changing at the rate that I want them to. Biden is like not Biden inspiring me. Be- yeah, like like I think that that feeling is really strong in this exact moment. And it makes it really easy for Republicans to find an issue like critical race theory and use it to eke out a victory in a really close race. So I think the lesson we need to take from it is like Democrats need to provide these candidates with something to say. They need to give them something to run on. And (laughs) and like if we don't, then Republicans are going to be able to go into these little local places, find some bullshit, small thing, blow it up and use it to, you know, get the two or three points that they need to flip the thing. Yeah. And on an, in a national context, like I can't people have to have either something really big to gain or lose from from voting. So people must have felt this time that what they had to gain or that maybe what they had to lose was like control over their children's education. Like and, and the fact that right now in Congress, we're looking at this bill and some of the most popular things are things for like, think about like a mom in their 40s. They're looking at caring for their parents soon too. So like some of the most popular things are those things. We need in 2022 for that voting group to be like, oh, I don't want to lose that cheaper home health aid for my parent. I don't want to lose this child tax credit. But yeah, the longer we need to get people really used to it. We can't roll this out and then have it for four months. Like, Like Millie said, it's like, Republicans have given up on the Affordable Care Act, on getting rid of Obamacare. Hopefully. I mean, who knows if they take over again, they could try it. But they don't really talk about it much because they know you're taking it away from people and people will come out to vote to be able to keep it. And yeah, like that's the thing, right? Like if it's like, but that's what I mean. It's like if we got student loans forgiven, then you have all these fucking people who are like, yeah, I'm going to vote because Republic. And then they ran on Republicans are going to take away this forgiveness. They're going to want you to pay whatever. Bam. Um, or if we have honestly, even just roads and highways and trains and buses <laughs> right. are fucking terrible. I New York is really bad. And then I was in New Orleans and I'm like, this is awful. Like what? Like the, the, the infrastructure is awful. Like mm. there are third, you know, whatever, quote unquote, third world countries that have better roads than we do in America. And I'm just talking about major cities. Uh, you know, there's places in the middle of nowhere that are crazy. Then, yeah, but it's like the child tax credit. for And that's another example of like, Republicans are going to take that away. But what do Dems want to do? Mean test it. And it's not Dems, it's Joe Manchin. That's the thing that like, kind of, it kind of angers me is because like, I'm just like, really? Is there nothing we can do about Joe? Like, I know. If Joe was a Republican, like, They've got Lindsey Graham. They got all these Republicans to fuck. They just like muscle them a little bit. I'm like, I don't want to like do violence, but it's just like, fuck, yeah. like you're really going to let Joe Manchin ruin everything? Why isn't Joe Manchin scared of losing the majority? So this is a question I wanted to ask you. He doesn't too. care. Yeah. He doesn't care. So like, how do Joe Manchin, if you're Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, are you scared by anything you saw? Are you more motivated to uh, like move quicker on some things? I think both of them. We'll look at, I think both Learned of them nothing. are so, so twisted and <laughs> fucked up that they're going to look at it and be like, see, I'm right. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I don't mm-hmm. even know how they get there, but they'll be like, 
see moderates the moderate position is better all these people were too far left even though that's not true at all and like terry mccullough wasn't far left and like phil murphy isn't far left and like that's not fucking true but they're gonna look at it and they're gonna be like like i wouldn't even be surprised if we get a statement from mansion that's like you know the uh like balance has been restored yeah (laughs) Yeah, like it's interesting to see the voters yeah i i wonder what the biden administration is thinking now like that's who i feel like is kind of freaking out right now or they fucking i would be i would be freaking out because it's just like and then i'm just like it sucks but i'm like do some executive orders bro yeah and like like we're saying, yeah. yeah, we're saying that like, well, the, the student loan thing he needs to do tomorrow. There's a really good um, Ezra Klein's podcast. He does a lot of like discussions on student loans, but his most recent one is with, um, I think her name is Tressie McMillan Khan. She's like the smartest person in the world. And she did an interview with somebody about student loans. And a lot of the conversation about student loans is that they're regressive and uh, they benefit the people that are already doing well. But when you really look at it, like ending, like canceling, or forgiving federal student loan debt is kind of the best thing you can do for racial equality. You're going to cut the wealth gap in half. Like you're basically going to put it on to like, like the wealth gap in this country is like 20 to one. It's literally like, it's broken. It's it's statistically bizarre compared to other countries that our wealth gap is like this. Like go listen to the podcast. It's all about student loans. But if you're somebody who is some sometimes convinced by the argument that it could be regressive and just help people that are already doing well, I really encourage you to, to listen to, to that. But there are sort of like, it is very frustrating to hear people say like, oh, Democrats are doing nothing because it's literally just one dude. But at the same time, what we're seeing in Virginia is mostly culture war stuff that's like completely unrelated. No policy. And no policy. Like critical race theory. No, <laughs> there's not a teacher in Virginia that is teaching not critical one. race theory in its purest form. This originated as a graduate class. In reaction, and, and, and Yunkin said he was going to ban it. I'm like, ban it from where? But in reaction to the 2020 protests and like a collective acknowledgement that this country has historically been terrible to black people in particular, most states, including Virginia, have worked to like diversify some of its class material. In Virginia, like that literally means just like getting Robert Lee's face off everything. Like this is so delayed. Yeah. Like you're like, not listen, like. It's, but that's the thing is that Virginia is like what they actually teach you in schools about like the civil war and stuff is crazy and not correct and so like and people there are a lot of people in virginia who are like still civil war fetishist people who are like my grandpa was in the civil war and you're like what did he do and And he would say these are i don't know like yeah it's you know (laughs) and these are not just trumpy terrible republican QAnon people like that that are no, are these are like no. middle of the road Virginian people. There's just a lot. I mean, it was the they capital call it of the Confederacy. Yeah. It was the capital of the Confederacy. There's a lot of that shit there under the surface. They like to dress it up like Glenn Youngkin in a little vest and put a tie on it and um, be yeah. like, oh, we're cool with gay people. But underneath it all, yeah, like all that stuff is still. Yeah. <laughs> Watch Trump, yeah. Trump announce his 24 campaign just wearing a Patagonia vest. Yeah. He's like, I mean, literally. Well, no, that's a, but what I was going to say is. Not Patagonia. That, they're too woke. No, there's a lot of unwoke people that. <laughs> if you work in finance in New York City, you own three of those vests. Mm-hmm. I think that the critical race theory 
is coming at a time when white America knows is starting to pick up on gradually, little by little, they're losing power. Like they're losing, you know, leverage. It's not, it's not cool anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's not, things aren't centered around them anymore. They see Hollywood, you know what I mean? And they're scared. And, you know, Democrats, you know, whatever, like, it's tough because as disappointed, it's like, yeah, we don't lie and we don't hinge on people's fear. You know, right. we're not like, we're not like. We try to with climate change. We're trying. We're trying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But people, people yeah, yeah, that's that, it's fucking telling that, you know, a lot of white people are worried about people feeling bad about slavery and not worried about like and worried about their kids feeling bad about slavery and not worried about like when their kids are in high school. It's going to be so fucking hot. They can't play sports. It's going to be so, like, <laughs> yeah. like there's all this shit that's actually they should be scared about. Glenny boy's not going to need a vest anymore. Or like, you know what? America's like losing, like has lost yeah. a lot of its superpower and no one's going to come. There's not going to be good this is jobs what Sammy and I, anymore. Sammy and I were talking about this this morning. Like there are things that Democrats can inspire fear about. And I guess maybe COVID let us win the last, but, but like, do we have to be staring down millions of American deaths to win a goddamn election? My God. Apparently. And <laughs> apparently also too, like as like sad or whatever, as it is like for Virginia, like to go red, I just have to be like, yo, Georgia went blue. Yeah. <laughs> and Wisconsin went blue and Arizona when blue and New Mexico, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, this is a war. This is a warning shot, not like a full on assault. It's a warning shot. And we need to like, and it it's also it. a warning shot of like shit that we like after we shot like 10 times. I know. <laughs> because again, like we had major shifts in a lot of these red states. So, you know, th there is there is like something to be said about that of like, Yes, Virginia went blue and like New Jersey's a little bit, whatever, but like these other places more, if we activate and we run well and all this other stuff, it, it is possible for these places to be blue. Mm -hmm. So that's like what I'm trying to remember too. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, hearing the specific Virginia context is is pretty encouraging, honestly. I, I mean, Youngkin took it as far as he had a campaign against the teaching of Toni Morrison's Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, Beloved, and he used an ad with a conservative activist who said that the novel's depiction of racial violence gave her son nightmares. Listeners, her son was a high school senior. High school seniors are almost 18. You can you can send 18-year-olds to war, but you don't want him to have nightmares about this? And like, as you were about saying, Billy, it's like, what about Darnella Frazier's nightmares? What about little black kids' nightmares? Like, exactly. you don't hear Who's this Darnella at Frazier, all. Who's Darnella Frazier, Amanda Superman? <laughs> <laughs> She's the one that videotaped Joe or George Floyd's murder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And there's a ton of teens every day. I was just reading about um, police violence against teens and how black teen girls are 20 times more likely to be tased, beat up or whatever than white than white teen girls. And like, of course, insane. Yeah, but like. Can you There's imagine a white teen girl in Virginia getting tased and beat up in school? The outcry oh because she's fighting or whatever. Like teens, teen girls do. Teen girls are assholes. You don't right. fucking tase them. <laughs> like whatever. But like, um, and Makia yeah. Bryant is dead. 
because yeah, but that happened. You know she got I mean? in a fight. But like that is all trickled down from like people not understanding the context of you know the power dynamics in this country. So it's like yeah, we should be teaching critical race theory. I know it's right. It's like we're not teaching critical race theory, but would it we be should. the worst thing if we did? Yeah. Ugh. So let's pivot to what Democrats can learn from last night's results. Like we said, it's not too much. I don't want to project too much. Um, but to do that, we want to look at more than just the single race. As we said, Michelle Wu is a progressive who won in Boston. Very exciting. Uh, that was there were two pretty. Well, I don't know if the other one was considered super progressive, but that was a big win. Pittsburgh elective progressive Ed Ganey, who will be the city's first black mayor. There are a bunch of cities that are going to get their first black mayors. India Walton, as we said, uh, she was defeated by the former mayor. She would have become the first socialist to head a major American city. And we went through some of those Minneapolis ballot measures. So like we said, um, there's not a ton of consistency in what people were rejecting. I mean, we sort of talked about earlier, like if you're Joe Biden, what are you what are you calling Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and saying, like, this is what we have to do? Are you calling and saying? So here's the thing. He's not calling. I'm answering my own question. <laughs> Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are not the ones that are like defund the police. And he's the only one that they really he really has like any control over. I mean, what is Joe Biden supposed to do about if you're Joe Biden? What are you doing today? Who are you about kidnapping Joe Manchin's dog? <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. could get it back. You could get your yacht and your dog back. That's a great idea. I'll watch it. Back. I'm just like, how have we not tried this? <laughs> yeah. I you mean, know what? Really... Joe Manchin is the kind of guy that probably doesn't have a dog. No, but he has a yacht. We can like put a hole in the yacht. There's there's property has... damage to be had. There's property damage for sure. I mean, I was thinking like, how has nobody graffitied his yacht? It must be like just secured within, a, within an inch of its life. No, people like kayaked up to it, no? Yeah. The <laughs> oh, yeah, the that's true. Kayak activists did. Yeah. I guess you couldn't do that in, like, broad daylight, though. But you could take one for the team, really. No. <laughs> Just broad daylight. <laughs> well, so, Will, uh, any any closing thoughts for, for Virginia? I mean, I'm, I've been trying to think about, like, messaging for the next year. And I'm with you, Millie. I mean, there's no reason to run, like, milk toast white moderates because they won before. It's like... The context is different. Yes, Terry McAuliffe won before under unique circumstances. And it's like they put him up because they thought he was kind of a safe choice like Joe Biden. But Joe Biden was a safe choice a year ago. Joe Biden probably wouldn't win today. So why hmm. did we why did we put him up? Do you think next cycle we're going to finally see fewer just like moderate, same old, same old candidates? Do you think we're going to take that lesson from this moment or probably not? I don't know. I'm also like... My friend pointed out that, like, the multiracial coalition is growing in Republican circles, too, mm. with, like, more mm -hmm. Black conservatives, Asian conservatives, and Latino conservatives. So, you know, I feel like it's tough. Like, Dems need to, like, not just rely on that. I feel like the focus has been we're going to focus on kitchen table issues, quote, unquote, for white moderates. But then know that all the other people of color are going to vote for us anyway. And I really hope that there's there there becomes more work to entice. And, you know, I you know, milk toasts are not like we need populist ideas. Mm -hmm. like, That's exactly, those are yeah. so popular. Socialist, like what do you call it? Socialist, whatever we do. need. Those ideas are insanely popular. Eighty percent they're polling, you know, 80 percent of people want to tax rich people. Why aren't we doing, you know? Yeah. And like, 
yeah, even in a state level, they can do that. So, you know, that's kind of what I'm hoping we see in in the future is like yeah. actual multicultural efforts from Dems and also um, populist social whatever like mm-hmm. you know messaging. Yeah, Mar- Republicans definitely seem to have the populism part on lock. Yeah, yeah. Mom, you know we need a fear monger shit that's actually going we do. Happen. We do. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking about how, like, I was talking to somebody else about this, and uh, the three of us obviously voted for for mayor in New York. But imagine mm-hmm. it were like, imagine if instead of Terry McAuliffe, it was more of a Michelle Wu type person. Like, you might be so much more motivated of to course. turn out if you're going to get something cool and you're going to get yeah, a historic what, moment. Well, I mean, the people that voted in Boston, they're so excited. They're so proud to have gotten to be part of that. I know that's how I would have felt had we been voting for Maya Wiley. And like, I mean, it does take a little bit of excitement to get people out of their seats. And whether that's Bernie Sanders, Mm -hmm. who got a lot of people out of their seats because his policies were radical, or that's like just a multicultural, like there just has to be something that you're excited about. Like people want to feel part of something. Like, I feel like that's what Democrats have that maybe if we can't do the fear mongering, we can like make you feel part of something. That's how we got Obama. Like maybe that's how we. But that's that's what I'm saying. I'm like. Is it was Terry a loss because Yunkin is so great, or is it because he didn't like he didn't inspire or get people excited? You know, the young people that you need to get excited about voting. The, you know, the same yeah. way that Yunkin got people voting. Yeah, you know? they weren't excited enough about Terry, and they weren't scared of Yunkin enough. Yeah, exactly. If if it was like a Michelle Wu versus Yunkin, mm-hmm. you know, I think we'd be having a very different. <laughs> conversation i mean house of delegates we'll see that might go either way but still so many amazing candidates that i'm sure we'll like get into a pipeline hey there overwhelmed foodies are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same with the same fish picture fear not because amidst the chaos there's one shining star worth your culinary affection home chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea they're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Before we end, at least you want to tell us what happened when the Republican candidate from New York City tried to vote? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, so we I don't think we really had an opportunity to get into the Curtis Snowbar at all. We podcast, probably had but, opportunities. We just chose not to. Take but it was them. like, he, yeah, but it's like he was never going to be the mayor. So it's like. He, he, but he's an interesting figure for anyone who doesn't know. He was a part of the Guardian Angels, which was like a group, like sort of like a vigilante justice group in the 80s that patrolled the trains and made them safer. 
Mm-hmm. He wears a red beret. Um, he has 17 cats. I can't believe this is the Republican <laughs> candidate. Has 17 cats in a studio and wears a beret. He has, he has 17 cats in a studio apartment. And he tried to bring one of them with him to his polling place, Gizmo, I believe was the yeah, name Gizmo, of the cat. He, he tried to bring he tried to bring Gizmo with him, and the people at the polling place were like, "No, <laughs> well, <laughs> service cat." The, <laughs> well, the thing too is that he had the his name on his jacket, right? Well, that was the other thing is that he also wears a giant red jacket that has his own name on it in enormous letters, which is you can't wear that to the polls. That's electioneering. You're not supposed to do that. So they were like, hey, man, like you showed up with a cat. You have a jacket (laughs) with your name on it. Like you can't you can't come in. Um, So then he got really mad. I think there was some sort of like yelling back and forth. He took the jacket off. A poll worker had to watch the cat. Jesus Christ. And well, as, went in. Do you want to No, I'm saying as somebody this? who's No, no, no. I mean, you can finish the story, but I'm just having adding to say as someone who was a poll worker and has worked with those women, you don't want to cross a New York City poll worker. They will fight you. No. I'm literally no. like scared I'm going to spell my own name wrong when I go there because I'm like, "Fuck, I'm so nervous." Um, yeah, it's I I would have loved to see how it went down. But anyway, one of them did have to watch his cat while he went in to vote. And then when he went in to vote, I don't really understand, but he put his ballot into the machine so wrong that the machine broke. Oh, my God. <laughs> and had to be repaired. So a fantastic oh. career for Curtis. I really and, need this to be on SNL um, this weekend. <laughs> well, um, I, they haven't we don't really need done it to be on SNL. Well, there's no Latino man. No, because man, but, Alexis but, Pereira. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. Alexis Pereira did a great uh, courtesy wall town hall impression. Oh, yes, that was her, yeah. Yeah, so he so did good. it, and, uh, and it's, it's so you funny. You can find it on Twitter. Oh, yeah, it's I definitely come up on my uh, TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is there a limit in New York City on how many cats you can have in an apartment? I mean, You would think it would be less probably. than 17, so probably not. Yeah, his neighbors definitely didn't vote for Yeah, him. I mean, I definitely feel bad for whoever lives <laughs> nearer to him but happy those cats have a home i guess uh yeah but is it a good home uh, he doesn't he'll like, be home he doesn't have to go to work he doesn't have to become the mayor i don't i don't think you can have a mayor be a mayor and take care of 17 cats yeah so. that's true that's actually i and i feel like you know eric adams never brought that up because he's like well if you're gonna be mayor who's taking care of these cats yeah i haven't gone to, i've gone to the office like for two hours since it opened just i can't well where is uh, <laughs> yeah yeah well where does eric adams live <laughs> No one knows. We'll have to That's follow him. Thing. We'll just have to follow him driving on the sidewalk and uh, and figure I it think, out. Yeah, I think Eric Adams is going to become a fun character for the podcast for yeah. the rest of his time. Because that is a bright you're spot. A, if you're a listener who hasn't Googled him, he's a real weirdo. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. And he's like, son lives in that. Like, he says That's that he lives favorite. somewhere, but it was totally like his son's like bachelor pad. Yes. <laughs> he says that he lives actually very close to me in Bed-Stuy when it's a lot of people think he actually lives in New Jersey. So but, anyway. but his son lives there because like. It, the decorations for the apartment are like sneaker books. <laughs> right. And then there was also yeah. like sour cream and salmon in the fridge and Eric Adams is a vegan. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's there's a very funny video if anyone wants to Google it of Eric Adams 
kind of clearly pretending his son's apartment is yeah, his apartment. And they're like, hey, man, there's meat in the fridge and you're a vegan. And he's like, I don't know. And they're like, are what? those your Air Force Ones? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I highly recommend that today. To, to, um, to turn that's where he drove around. on the sidewalk, actually very close to me. And I'm. it happened so close to where I live that I'm like, what if I go out and I, one day and I see Eric Adams just driving you're gonna see him. You're, you're gonna I'm see gonna him. see him. Well, he's gonna be here more. Just like um, what is it? Just like the Blasio, you always see him at that Park Slope YMCA. Yeah, you're just gonna see you. Eric. You're gonna see Eric Adams every mm-hmm. on Lafayette walk, mm-hmm. driving on the sidewalk. Driving on. Just the gonna sidewalk. be what he does. What he does. Yep. Nobody's gonna. <laughs> nobody's gonna bat on Malcolm X Boulevard, driving on the I'm sidewalk. Just... <laughs> I'm by the any mayor. means. <laughs> by any means necessary. <laughs> <laughs> What a world. What a world. That is our show today. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Elise Ramirez. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.